Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Here is why you should tune into today's show. More companies getting caught up in the FTX fallout, Genesis Global Capital halting withdrawals, and Gemini's Earn program getting caught in the crosshairs, while reports suggest that BlockFi could soon file for bankruptcy. We'll discuss all these latest developments live with Laura Shin and Chris Sullivan. Stay tuned for that. I'm Jeremy Varlow. As always with me is Ash Bennington. Ash, how are you doing today? Uh, boy, this is an incredibly busy news day here. Lots happening just as we're about uh, to go live here. Uh, look, we're going to be going through this all. This is real-time data. Obviously, it's moving extremely fast. Uh, we're trying to get a handle on it ourselves and frame it up for you. Uh, obviously, this is a day uh, that uh, you know has a sense about it uh, that we don't really know exactly where it's going to end. Yeah, certainly. And we've got a lot to cover on the show today. Before we get into that, as always, if you're watching on YouTube, please do not forget to like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Uh, Real Vision Crypto is free. Uh, we, you don't want to miss when we go live. So let's jump into some price action. I know there's a lot going on. Uh, so to start, the selling has resumed as more bad news around the impact of FTX's collapse filters in. Bitcoin down about 3% on a 24-hour basis, currently trading around $16,500. Uh, Ethereum also down today, 5% in the last 24 hours is trading just around $1,200. This comes as we are continuing to learn more of the companies that are caught up in the FTX fallout. Ash, are there any other coins that you are following right now, or what do you make of this price action as we see it? Look, I would say the price action is relatively muted compared to the news flow we have in the space. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about what's happening here because uh, these stories are quite big. Genesis Capital has halted redemptions and new loan origination. This is breaking fast. So let me just read the statement from Genesis and then I'll give a little bit of additional context. So this is coming directly from Genesis. Quote, today, Genesis Global Capital, Genesis's lending business, made the difficult decision to temporarily suspend redemptions and new loan originations. This decision was made in response to the extreme market dislocation and loss of industry confidence caused by the FTX implosion. Additionally, this decision impacts the lending business at Genesis and does not affect Genesis's trading or custody business. Importantly, this decision has no impact on the business operations of DCG and our other wholly, under, uh, wholly owned subsidiaries. For those who may not know, DCG is an acronym for Digital Currency Group, which is a large player in the space. This is Barry Silbert Shop. Barry is a quiet, unassuming guy, but he's a major player in this space, uh, and DCG is a large and important player in crypto. DCG actually has five subsidiaries. I just want to walk through this so people can get a little bit of a sense uh, of how large DCG is. 
Uh, so Genesis, this is directly from their website, so straight from the horse's mouth, uh, so to speak, about what it is they do. Quote, Genesis connects institutional investors to digital asset markets, trade, borrow, hedge, generate yield, and more. So it's institutional, not retail. It's in many of the same businesses uh, we should probably point out as FTX, which implies nothing about its solvency, of course, but it does give you a sense of the scope of the services they offer. Uh, DCG also owns Coindesk, obviously familiar uh, to many of our viewers, a main news site here uh, in the crypto space. Uh, you know, I obviously worked at Coindesk as their, as their first markets reporter. They have a firewall in place when they're reporting on these stories, meaning the business operations don't interfere with the reporting. Uh, I can talk a test from personal experience that is very strictly enforced. Uh, so I have confidence in the stories coming out from Coindesk about this. Uh, they also, uh, DCG also owns Foundry. Uh, this provides staking and advisory services and Luno. Uh, this is a wallet company that DCG purchased in September of 2020. I want to talk also a little bit here about Grayscale Investment. Uh, Grayscale has a whole slew of investment products, uh, some of which are owned by retail investors. They can be bought through retail brokerage accounts. This is the Chuck Schwab's E-Trades, Ameritrades of the world. Uh, their products include Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which trades under the symbol GBTC, uh, that gives investors exposure to Bitcoin without need uh, for a wallet, custodial or non-custodial. You can own this through your brokerage account. Uh, it's a closed-end trust or fund. The shares are not freely traded uh, or created. Excuse me. The shares are freely traded, but not freely created, and there's no redemption. That's what it means to be a closed-end fund. This is a, a really large fund in the space. I believe uh, this is the largest fund in the space, the largest Bitcoin uh, fund in the space. I own a tiny portion of this in a retail brokerage account, like small as in less than a steak dinner small, uh, because people made fun of me for not owning any exposure to Bitcoin. Uh, GBCTC right now, let's take a look at the chart here, if we can bring that up, uh, is trading down on the day. And if we look at the chart here over a year, uh, obviously, the trailing 12 months on this is, is pretty ugly. I also want to read a statement coming from Grayscale, quote, in the wake of recent events, our investors should know that the safety and security of the holdings under Grayscale digital asset products are unaffected. Grayscale products continue to operate business as usual, and recent events have had no impact on product operations. That's coming from GBTC, obviously one of the DCG companies. Uh, additionally, we should say uh, Gemini is warning on its earned products. I want to read this statement as well. We are aware, quote, we are aware that Genesis Global Capital, the leading partner of the earned program, has paused withdrawals and will not, will not be able to meet customer redemptions within the service level agreement, SLA, of five business days. We are working with the Genesis team to help customers redeem their funds from the EARN program as quickly as possible. We will provide information in the coming days. Genesis, excuse me, Gemini, of course, is the Winklevoss twins shop, uh, well-known because of the movie The Social Network. It's sometimes confused with Genesis, as I just did there, uh, because they sound so similar. Well, I guess today they're both having uh, problems. So if you say uh, that Gemini or Genesis are both having problems, uh, or you scoof the names up, you get it right either way. Look, contagion risk is clearly rising in this space right now, at least in my view. Uh, you have counterparty risk, and then you have the risk for the counterparty to the counterparty. That's how contagions start. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. Obviously, predictions are notoriously difficult, especially about the future, as the joke goes. But there's certainly rising risk in this space right now. How high the risk is, impossible to say. It could normalize today, tomorrow, next week, uh, or it could continue to rise, uh, Jeremy. I think the one thing that's probably reasonable to say at this point uh, is that no matter what happens, it's very unlikely that the Fed is going to step in uh, to 
to bail out any of these players. At least that's the conventional wisdom, the received opinion in the space. Uh, Jeremy, obviously, as you can see here, a lot happening, a lot breaking, stories moving very quickly, Jeremy. That is certainly the case, Ash. And we are also following another story reporting from the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, we started to hear some news yesterday, but its sources are saying that BlockFi, the crypto lender, is preparing to potentially file for bankruptcy. The company stopped customers from withdrawing money last week. BlockFi has confirmed on its blog a quote, significant exposure to FTX. This includes money owed by Alameda, the trading shop that is founded by FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, assets held at FTX.com and undrawn amounts from a credit line of $400 million that was offered by FTX.us in July. However, Wall Street Journal sources say most of that money had been drawn already, BlockFi denying that most of its user funds were on FTX. Listen, let's get straight into our panel today. We've got a couple of great guests. First and foremost, uh, the host of the Unchained podcast, crypto journalist and author of The Cryptopians, Laura Shin joins us, and also CEO of Hyperion Decimus, Chris Sullivan is with us as well. Welcome to you both. How are you both doing today? Thank you. Good. Glad to be here, although I wish it were under better circumstances. Don't we all? Listen, Laura, we're going to come to you first just to kind of get your views on everything that's going on. What are you seeing uh, and, and how are you interpreting everything? I think the news today, um, uh, you know, what has struck me is just the fact that Genesis, I think, amongst all the crypto lenders was seen as sort of a bit different, kind of more that institutional type, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of the contagion we had seen before was either amongst kind of shadier players, essentially, or um, the more retail focused and um, just kind of like a different crowd. And um, I think Genesis, maybe also because of the relationship with TCG, just seemed to have, you know, this kind of different reputation. And so when you see you know, a company like that announcing that they are also suffering from this. Um, I think it just goes to show how far this has gone. Um, but then I think quickly, uh, yeah, we've seen this offer from B2C2 to pick up some of those loans from Genesis, which again, I think shows something about uh, probably the confidence maybe they have there or the willingness to step in for a company like that. Um, but the last bit that I'll say about BlockFi is that um, as far as I understand, I think the uh, relationship that BlockFi had with FTS was really FTX was really with FTX US, which again just goes to show, um, you know, up until the day before FTX, FTX US, and Alameda filed for bankruptcy, Sam Bankman-Fried was tweeting, "FTX US is fine," and so clearly, um, just. You know, there was no CFO at um, FTX. Just the more we learn about the operation there, the more chaotic it appears to be. And so um, I think that's why, again, you had people like BlockFi up until last week saying, we're going to be fine because, you know, we're, we have this relationship with FTX US and not FTX. And again, um, because you know, both uh, misstatements or however you want to characterize them from people like SBF and um, just, I think, people's faith in um, the, the veracity of, of things that a CEO might say, um, that has caused uh, just a lot more companies to fall victim than was expected. Thanks, Laura, for that. Let's turn to Chris to get your thoughts uh, as well. 
Yeah, I think we need to recognize that crypto is kind of a closed ecosystem. So it's very easy for contagion to be kicked off, right? And, and there are differences between abject fraud and breaking the law, whether it's consumer protections, is, does, et cetera, and, and sort of a bank run, right? Uh, I don't believe there's anything nefarious wrong with Gemini Earn or, or Genesis, for example, or even really BlockFi. But what I do think is somewhat nefarious and what kind of kicked off all of this borrow lend business anyways is, is really the synthetics and i i, I kind of despise the the quote-unquote carry from funding arbitrage with perpetuals because that's why money was lent to makers then it went offshore and and did this cute little funding arbitrage play and that's what created the yield to pay some of this interest so i think we need to reflect on what's appropriate for crypto what's responsible in the ecosystem and what's executable yeah, you know, reading that statement earlier from Genesis, the idea that they're not going to be able to meet redemptions uh, or withdrawals within the service <laughs> level agreement of five days. I mean, this is how contagions start, right? So counterparty A has exposure to counterparty B, which has exposure to counterparty C, uh, and it becomes kind of a daisy chain. If you're not able to withdraw your funds, uh, you're not able to pay your customers. I know sometimes mom and pop uh, investors may think, well, you, you know, you got to wait a couple hours to get your funds. What's the big deal? Uh, the big deal is that it creates a domino effect in the space, particularly when you have institutional players uh, shutting down redemptions or withdrawals. You know, obviously, this is a, a fast-breaking news story here. This is this has all happened within the last several hours. I think many of our viewers are probably wondering, uh, what does it all mean? Obviously, some very well-known names in the space uh, experiencing challenges today. So I'd, I'd like to ask both Laura and Chris, what, what do you think the significance of this is? Are we at an inflection point? Are we at, let's be honest here, a point of rising contagion and systemic risk in the digital asset crypto space? Uh, first to you, Laura, please. Yeah, I mean, my major takeaway from this year generally is probably that centralized <clears throat> lending in crypto is, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure exactly what to call it. You know, um, some people might say that this is sort of a death knell for it to have so many centralized lenders go under or, um, you know, find themselves in trouble of some sort. And I'm sure you've probably heard a number of people talk about how um, DeFi lending has been fine and the liquidations have been orderly and et cetera, et cetera. And so, right. um, you know, part of, yeah, part of what I've been thinking is that all of this might cause more people to kind of double down on self-custodial options um, like DeFi because, um, you know, this, first of all, is just a little bit embarrassing for a movement that kind of rose from the ashes of the great financial crisis to be um, having to learn them all over again. Like that's yeah. uh, the other irony is that, you know, the kind of original cypherpunk movement, you know, Satoshi famously put in the Genesis blog of um, the Bitcoin blockchain, the headline mm -hmm. about the bailout for banks, right? And so um, I feel like the crypto community probably just feels very burned to have uh, basically recreated the same system that they were trying to, um, yes. yeah, to, uh, I don't know if replace is exactly the word, but, you know, just um, create a different option from a, the very sure. minimum. And then to have, you know, cause so much pain, you know, companies going down, hedge funds going down, uh, individuals going down, like all these FTX employees who had their funds on uh, this exchange. I mean, it's just, it's just very ironic and it's such a painful lesson, I think, for the industry. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Or that's so, that's so well said. You know, there's a $5 word created by Carl Jung, enantiodromia. It means the tendency of a thing to become its opposite. And that's precisely what it seems like has happened here uh, in the last few days. Uh, you know, I said yesterday that this was the moment where crypto fell short of its promises and short of its own ideals. You know, in many ways, we've been like this frog in the pot of boiling water, uh, as basically what we've seen is is the creation of a system that looks almost identical in terms of uh, its centralization uh, and terms of its counterparty exposure risks to what we saw. I know, Chris, uh, you were there in 2007, 2008 uh, for the global financial crisis. Boy, it really does feel like when we're talking about what's happening right now, contagion risk, systemic risk, uh, that we're talking about the kinds of risks that we talked about during the GFC, precisely what crypto was meant uh, to prevent, except the main difference is uh, the Fed's not coming to the rescue here. No, and nor should anybody expect that. I think where I'd, I'd correct you a little bit is that this is not a problem with any protocol, right? Right. So right. It's it's very unfortunate we're learning the same lessons over and over again. Humans tend to do that, but yep. you know, there's there's a lot of input that came from VC and PE into companies that were monetizing the growth of the space, right? And they they push on the founders to create recurring revenue to get the valuations higher and do Series C, D, E, whatever. Um, and I think that that forced a lot of irresponsibility on the space. But like you just said, we we go from this cypherpunk decentralization. Yep privatization of money, self-sovereignty movement, and then here we are going, wait a minute, this entire bear market, or at least 85% of it, is due to CFI human error, has nothing to do with, you know, save Luna, nothing to do with the failure of, of decentralization, the failure of Bitcoin. Yep. Ethereum just pulled off one of the greatest feats in mankind's history during a bear market. It went more flawlessly than anybody can imagine. We we run validator nodes, uh, FYI, so we were anticipating risk associated with that. And it seems that, you know, this is an opportunity to really grow up and go back to the mantra of an ethos of the space. Right. You know, and I, I hope that both founders and investors recognize that because a lot of the capital went into sort of picks and shovels and service providers, et cetera, because it didn't want to see, you know, a 90 vol statement over, over a 12 month period. And, you know, they're learning a hard lesson too, where their, their equity capital is getting wiped out. So, the good news is this is a, an extremely painful and shameful event, uh, but it also should lead to rapid development and, and improvement of the scalability and the access points. Because to me, and I, I said this to our good friend, Robert Breedlove, not your keys, not your crypto is not an acceptable response. That's that's kind of inhumane. It's a little bit selfish and we need to give a better offering for folks. And the whole sort of prime modality is not realistic in crypto. Yeah, I just I just want to make two two points before uh, going back to Laura. I, Chris, I, I I absolutely agree with you. That's I think that's spot on. These were these were traditional finance sort of C five failures. This was the failures of companies, the failures of uh, you know. Rao said yesterday on his AMA, human beings love two things: sex and leverage. Uh, this is the same sort of mentality that we saw 
with the with the with the organizational failures, the decision making failures of centralized players during the 2007 2008 crisis. Uh, Francis Coppola had this great piece on CoinDesk. Prescient came out on November 1st uh, of this of this year, uh, stating that what we had here was a system that started to look like the 1907 bankers panic. Uh, so obviously, these are very much kind of legacy issues that we have in the space. You said something else, Chris, that I thought was really important there, uh, which is this idea that, you know, when you say not your keys, not your coins, uh, it can sound a little inhumane. There are some challenges in the space, I think, frankly, that lead to that. One of them is UI, UX. This is not an easy space uh, for retail individuals uh, to tackle. Uh, and so it creates this environment where people want to go through centralized third parties. Why? Because it's a lot easier. It's a lot simpler. Uh, the, many of the technologies that could be put into place, better UI, better UX, uh, cryptographically validated proof of reserves, which is something that's important. This technology can actually solve uh, some of these human problems that we see in the space. And then we also have a lack of regulatory clarity here right now. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to be sorted out around OFAC compliance. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to be sorted out just in general from a regulatory space so that you can get to a point uh, where the space can become more mature. Laura, obviously a lot of a lot of different threads here uh, that we're bouncing around thoughts. Um, well, let's see. Um, one thing that I did want to say, wait, what did you say right before the OFAC point? Because I did have something. Oh, um, you, the UI UX component. Oh, how yes. It drives yes. centralization. And not your keys, not your coins. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted to address. Um, so oftentimes when I write about this kind of thing, like just, you know, maybe a piece like for beginners, like, hey, you're going to enter crypto. Here's what you need to know. I'll explain this concept about, you know, custody or self-custody and kind of the mantra, not your keys, not your coins. But I'm sure you're very well aware. Um, <laughs> there are plenty of people who have managed their own keys and then lost a ton of money. Um, right. You may recall the New York Times article that featured, I think it was uh, Stefan Thomas or something from Ripple who... He had hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin on some device and it was about to lock him out of it because it only gave him 10 tries for the password. Yeah. He'd already tried eight. And you don't know how many people mentioned that to me after that article came out. And I was like, oh, right. just so you know, he's like one out of probably tens of thousands of people who have done the exact same thing. And so when I yeah. you know, write articles explaining to people about this, I just say like, you need to understand the risks of both because it's not like you know, one of these solutions is perfect. It's like probably right. based on your personality, you're going to choose one set of risks over the other set or, you know, vice right. versa, right? And so I totally agree with you that yes, um, you know, being in this kind of situation where you don't have your coins is a terrible thing, but there are definitely certain personality types where if they're put in charge of managing their own private keys, they are going to lose that money the next day. <laughs> um, right. So I agree that we need to do kind of like a lot of UX, UI things around that. And, uh, you know, people probably have heard about this Fediman's idea, which is sort of like community key recovery, where you can have like certain trusted people who, if they come together, if you lose your key, um, I forget exactly what the mechanism is, but um, either you're able to, yeah, transfer the funds somewhere. I, I forget what the function is, but essentially you're able to put the access the funds with with a new set of keys so um you know ideas like that i think are interesting but you know they're very nascent um this idea was literally just proposed i think in the last few months and so obviously this is not something that's like super robust but um i do feel that it will take a number of things like that for um for the self-custody options i think to be realistic for the vast majority of people and on top of that 
you know, I mean, we we all, I'm assuming, are old enough to have lived through that transition of just learning how to even get on and use the internet or email or whatever. And so, um, you know, there are just certain behaviors that people are going to have to learn to adopt. Um, and I think that's kind of part and parcel of, um, you know, making the industry uh, appeal to ha a greater number of people and, and mainstreaming it. Yeah, and Laura, you've been doing this uh, for longer than just about anyone else, writing about uh, cryptocurrency digital assets for a retail audience. Uh, I really think before you came along, if you wanted to read about Bitcoin, you had to do it on Slashdot or Stack Exchange. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, these questions about how uh, human beings uh, who are not, you know, PhD computer scientists interact with these protocols, uh, absolutely critical. And I, and I think Chris's, Chris, your point is right uh, about that, it, you know, it's, is, is it unreasonable to ask people to, to custody their own assets? This is not a simple thing to do no, uh, I mean, for folks who- yeah, Even yeah. this morning, I, I, I bought more and, and sent it to my ledger and I, I got to, you know, I have it ingrained and tattooed and everywhere, but I, I got to where, oh, you have two more tries and I was just pressing the button too fast, right? So th this is this is not easy peasy. And, and what I think right. what Laura was saying that that tech apparatus developed properly, which is not that hard to code. Uh, you know, our team built the first ever OMS EMS system for crypto, which was sold to exchange in January. This That's tech is order, order management and, and execution management yeah. system. Right. And it, it had a, a portfolio management system, too. It's not that hard to develop. Right. It's also then transposable to the equity and bond space. We all have accounts, you said Chuck Schwab, our assets aren't really segregated there. They're running through DTC, you know, right. it's T plus whatever, depending on the assets like that. That's not super transparent and segregated either. But, they're, this, but they're regulated at least, right? Right. I but mean, re regulation doesn't prevent anything, Ash, right? It didn't prevent 1907. It didn't prevent 1929. It didn't prevent 1937. It didn't prevent 2087, the savings and loan dot-com bus sure, sure but people did people people for example global financial crisis people lost money for, for example in stocks because the value of their equities uh declined dramatically but they didn't lose money because their broker dealer said oh by the way we can't meet redemptions or you know th this is why we have things like sipic insurance i mean yes regulation is not a panacea we know that uh, but when, when you see what happened, uh, for example, to FTX clients, this is something that doesn't happen with traditional retail brokers uh, in the United States. The value of your stocks may go down, the value of your portfolio may collapse, but you're still going to have access to that. And if you're not, uh, if you're not, if you don't have access to it, it's insured up to, I think, CIPIC protection is like, what, $200 million? It's a big number. Agreed. And I'm not advocating for no regulation, like breaking the wall. <laughs> in FTX's case is different than having consumer protections, right? I'm a big advocate yeah. for consumer protections, but logic would would just remind us that regulation wouldn't have prevented this. It would just, right. on the back end, maybe absolve some of the yeah. uh, wrongdoing. Let me change gears here a little bit because I know we, we can go down these philosophical rabbit holes, but obviously today is a big day. Today is a day, I don't want to call it an inflection point, but it's certainly beginning to feel that way. We have all of these news stories breaking. Uh, let's bring this back to the, the really pragmatic about where we are right now. Uh, Laura, Chris, what are you going to be watching as we go forward to see if this is beginning to take on more of the attributes of a contagion? What are you going to be watching? What are you going to be looking for? How are you going to be thinking about it? Go ahead, Laura, please. Um, wow. 
I guess, you know, some of the statements that we did see this morning after the news about Genesis were things like from Grayscale saying, you know, we have no, no exposure, even though, um, you know, we're subsidiaries of the same company, things like that. Um, I think, you know, one thing that I'm sure we've all learned is uh, what we've seen so far is that there are companies that make statements and then later you'll see trouble. And so, you right. know, which one of those statements will hold up um, versus which ones will, you know, um, turn out to to actually ha have been trying to, um, you know, kind of uh, keep keep the uh, the tide at bay. Um, but I uh, feel like I've heard a lot of people say like, okay, now eyes are on jump at the moment. Um, you know, I don't have any insight into what's going on mm -hmm. there, but I think that's another um, company that an, a number of people are calling out. Um, the other thing, though, that I'm watching really is, um, I don't know if you saw the news that the House announced that they're going to do a hearing about what happened with FTX in December. And um, they said that uh, it looks like Sam is going to be there, Sam Bigman-Fried. So um, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be watching that because, um, you know, Sam was tweeting things that just turned not uh, turned out to not be true uh, up until like a day before we would find out news, for instance, that um, right. it was insolvent. So, um, you know, when he's on Capitol Hill being questioned, um, it's, you know, tweets that you can delete later versus statements that you're making directly to Congress. Um, I just would be very interested to hear how he discusses this because you know, yeah, even yesterday he was tweeting things like, my number one priority is customers. And okay, like <laughs> now you're saying that, but if that was really the case months ago, then you would not have taken your customer's money and loaned it to your trading firm. Like, right. like it's too late at this point. You can't, you can't yeah. retroactively say customers are my top priority. Like that had to have been your principle from the get-go. So Anyway, yeah, um, the main the main conclusion, though, of what I was trying to say there is basically, you know, I keep thinking this has to end in criminal charges. I, I feel like most likely Sam will end up in prison, possibly some of the other officers. I could be wrong. I am not a lawyer. I literally don't even know what jurisdiction applies here. So, you yeah. know, I, I don't know the legal uh, code of like any whichever country this might be tried in, but it's frankly just my thought. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone else does either. Obviously, this is a, a, a very complex multi-jurisdictional issue. It's not entirely clear. I'm not a lawyer either, I should say, which statutes apply uh, because they're not securities. Uh, but to your point, uh, Laura, just to put some numbers around uh, those customer fund issues, I believe uh, FTX had $16 billion in customer assets. Uh, the initial reporting was they lent $8 billion of that $16 billion to Alameda. I later saw numbers that revised it upward uh, to $10 billion. Uh, a lot happening here in this space, a lot to watch. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, Chris, over to you. What are you going to be watching? I guess the obvious one is price. Uh, but uh, what are you going to be watching in this space as we go forward? You know, we, my team is full of OGs and geeks. So we watch a lot of the wallets. Um, mm. We So we are watching those like hawks. Um, I think what's what's fun is that 
the contagion just going to blow everything up quickly. So it's not like we're going to have to wait six months. Um, but what's very interesting is that the synthetic exposure of lending is short. So if stuff gets worked out and then you exit the trade, there's going to end up being some heavy, heavy buying pressure, especially since so much Bitcoin has been pulled off exchange, you know, greater than 100,000 the last few days. Um, I just don't see the supply. I'm looking at the order book to my left, our aggregated order book. I, I don't see the supply to like, uh, you know, be there on the buy side, like without inducing price higher. So I think you're going to see a lot of conflating things where, oh, well, these are BlockFi's going bankrupt. Genesis sells this, that, or the other. You would assume price would careen, but the mechanics behind that are, are not in place. Now, can it make a new low? Sure. What crypto often does in these these capitulation patterns is it truncates. Um, and then that that actually kind of feeds a, a little bit of a chase there. So um, I'm more looking for how our firm can identify some bad actors and bad movements in and around this, because our job as asset managers to protect our assets, we're hyper diversified across counterparties. And, and we agree with Laura, like self-custody has to be a, a a question that's answered and and you know people need to be empowered by that um but I, i'm unconcerned about price at this point yeah with that said i want to pull uh jeremy varlow back in jeremy uh, i know that you've been uh you've been listening to all this please jump in well we actually have a few viewer questions for our panel right now i don't know if uh, if we want to jump into that but uh first and foremost this one's for ash it's from vegas 23 on youtube uh, he wants to know why did you mention Gemini? So if you would just please uh, clarify this again for us, Ash, what's going on with Gemini and their earn program? Yeah, so so Gemini's earn program, they've halted redemptions. They've said they're not going to be able to meet redemptions within the five day service level agreement. Five days is a long time. Uh, so you can make of that what you will, how significant the problems it suggests uh, are. Uh, but clearly right now, Gemini earn product they are not meeting redemption. It's important to point out per the company's statement uh, that they claim at this point in time that it does not impact other Gemini products, but it is a significant uh, story here uh, that we're following today, Jeremy. Thanks, Ash. Another one from Paul E. on the Real Vision website, and this can go to either Chris or Laura. Uh, please give your opinions on the most user-friendly hard wallet uh, that you like to use and, uh, and why. I've been using Ledger for a decade, so, you know, I'm, I'm partial to that. I also have MetaMask, and I've also tried pretty much all of them. Yeah, um, as a journalist, I don't transact with crypto frequently enough to have an opinion on this, so I'll have to abstain. Fair enough. Thank you very much. We're going to wrap this up real quick for today. We have a couple of our key takeaways. We could have probably come up with 15 different key takeaways today. There was a lot there, uh, but uh, a couple that I noted, uh, short of calling this an inflection point in the crypto space, uh, Laura did mention that it feels as though crypto has fallen short of its promise to date. Uh, she also mentioned that Contagion had historically affected the retail crowd, but is slowly creeping its way into the institutional space with potentially 
uh, more contagion to follow. Uh, and it was noted that this has not been a problem with any particular protocol, but more with CFI, human error, money flooding into the space looking for outsized returns. As Ash mentioned, Raoul yesterday said that humans love two things, sex and leverage. And we really truly need to give a better offering for those in the space. Uh, we do need better UI and UX, a tech apparatus, education, proven proof of reserves and a regulatory framework to restore trust, promote security and increase adoption. That uh, is everything that we have for you today. I want to thank our guests, Chris Sullivan and Laura Shin again. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Ash, it's been a pleasure. Uh, just a quick reminder to everyone watching, please do hit that like button, subscribe. Once again, Real Vision Crypto is free. Join us again tomorrow. Hey Jeremy, uh, before we oh. before we roll out of the show here, let's uh, let's give our guests one final opportunity to respond and give us uh, their final thoughts and key takeaways. Absolutely, Laura, well, first actually, over to you. Yeah, I did have one additional thing that I wanted to say, which is that I think um, Sam Bankman-Fried's strategy of creating a bunch of tokens that um, then they could kind of use to prop up their balance sheet and also take out loans on of like more valuable coins or receivable coins or whatever. I um, hopefully now people will realize the dangers of doing that and will not do that. Um, you know, this whole thing was set off by that Coindesk report about how much FTT was on the balance sheet of Alameda. Yeah. And it was just like so much more than was, uh, you know, the circulating supply that it was very clear that the paper value this could never be realized. And I think, um, you know, now that we've seen kind of the assets that um, FTX does have, you're noticing it's like all of these other, like uh, like on uh, the show that I do called The Chopping Block, they were calling it Sam Coins, you know, like <laughs> Serum and the, like, and then some of them were super random. We'd never heard of like Maps and FIDA and all this stuff. And so- Oxygen. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, he was using this to say like, oh, like we have this amount of assets on the exchange or, you know, we can borrow, blah, blah, blah. We can put up this collateral. And, you know, I think in the future people are going to realize like that's just a house of cards and um, hopefully nobody will ever use that strategy again. Yeah. In addition, Laura, then, then after the front run, then they created perps to short it down too. I mean, it, 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 they should be in handcuffs, period, but I'm not a lawyer. Um, Tell us what you really think. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, um, I don't have any way to sugarcoat anything because that's not who I am. But I, I think Laura puts a really good point, uh, brings it to the foray. Do not invest in companies with this sort of low float, concentrated circulation. Check who the backers are. Check who the coders are. Go to GitHub, see if they've got bug bounties. Are they publishing updates? Have they gone from test net to mainnet? And there's certain steps everybody needs to take before they invest. Um, if, if we were great writers, we'd publish this and give it to the world. But the, you know, thank you for highlighting that, Laura, because everybody should be cognizant of a process to follow before investing. Yeah, although just one little bit when you said, look at who the backers were, Silicon Valley has a black eye with this whole situation as well. well I, I'm talking whole... about them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you mean, but if I think- I think people typically think if you're saying look at the backers, it means like, oh, you get a stamp of approval from, you know, these big name VCs. And yeah, that clearly did not. I'm saying the opposite of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> OK. <laughs> so so yeah, big, well, then, big name VCs, in your view, are a risk factor, not something that you should be reassured by. Well, and the data shows that I'm correct. 
Yeah, and I, well, I think this goes back to what we were saying about the cypherpunk um, ethos, because that goes to this whole debate we've seen kind of over like the last few years of VC coins versus fair launch coins. So um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the main takeaway <laughs> is that crypto goes back to its roots. <laughs> I hope so, and and you know, the the self sovereignty that it it offers needs to be realized now and supported by the community. And and that will that will further yep. the adoption curve. Period. But to, to Laura's point, that was a hell of a story that came out last week from Bloomberg uh, when they reported uh, that on the balance sheet of FTX, their single largest asset, they had I think nine hundred million dollars in liquid assets, nine billion dollars in liabilities, and they had some illiquid uh, and semi-liquid uh, venture assets and other assets, and the single largest one. Serum, $2.2 billion being carried on the balance sheet. You know, what the significance of that will turn out to be uh, remains to be seen. Here's my final point, my final takeaway. I want to leave us with a number here, 454. Uh, that is the number of days between a date uh, that lives on in infamy and financial history. I know Chris knows it well. Uh, this uh, September 15, 2008, the day that Lehman filed for bankruptcy, 454 days, 454 days earlier, the Wall Street Journal reported an obscure story about two hedge funds uh, at Bear Stearns closing down because of exposure uh, in these special purpose vehicles uh, to asset-backed securities. The point of the matter is it took 454 days for that to turn uh, into the, the apex uh, of that crisis for the global financial crisis. Uh, so it is very difficult to know how long these things take to unfold. Uh, we're going to be here watching this story for as long as it takes. Uh, Chris, Laura, it was just extraordinary to have both of you here today. I can't think of two better people to have with us uh, on a day when so much uh, news flow is coming out. Absolutely fantastic. Great to have you on the show. Jeremy, I'm sorry I broke in and interrupted you earlier. Uh, please take it away. Hey, that's totally fine. I'm still new to this whole thing, so uh, I, I appreciate you cutting in there. We'll try this again. That's it for us today. Uh, once again, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, join us on Twitter Spaces at 2 p.m. Eastern time today. Uh, we are hosting two All-Stars, one NFT All-Star in Zeneca and another NBA All-Star in Tony Parker, who will be amongst the speakers. That's 2 p.m. Eastern time on Real Vision Twitter. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be joined by Lee Drogan and Miles Dutcher. You don't want to miss that. We'll see you at noon Eastern time, 5 p.m. London time, live on the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Thank you again to both Chris and Laura for being on the show today with us.